that's a bingo. Is that the way you say it? That's a bingo. You just say bingo. Bingo! How fun! How fun indeed it is, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Short Story Bingo. I always forget the applause, so let's fucking do it right now. Jesus. If this is your first time, welcome. If it's not, the retention program is working. What we do on this podcast is I'm a glorified narrator to stories that you have heard and some that you have not. It's like Libro.fm, sort of. Um, I want to give a big shout out to uh, all, you know, all my listeners, man. Thank you guys for your support and listening. Uh, please visit the YouTube page and subscribe there. Simply search short story bingo. Uh, transparently, um, there's only 25 subscribers right now. So if you're listening, get to your job. Yo, shoot me a subscribe, man. Once we get to 100, all you got to do is youtube.com slash short story bingo. Right now, they got me with that, you know, long ass uh a uh, bunch of jarbled ass numbers like that strong password that you that uh, you're always suggested to get but having said that i still appreciate everyone that's been listening on your um you know podcast streaming platform so thank you guys so so much uh today we are going to be reading about lucky luciano i have a awesome book here called the mafia encyclopedia uh, the second edition right here i've had this book um since uh, like almost 20 years is how long I've had this thing. So I'm super excited to read about it. And Charles Lucky Luciano, 1897 to 1962. So we'll get a little bit of informa- information on his life. George let me know that he was in Boardwalk Empire. I didn't know that. Uh, I haven't watched that show, but I'm super game to do that. And it also gave me a reason to be able to uh, play a lot of these fucking goodfellas things today so we playing those you know yeah what the fuck is so funny about me all right um this episode of the podcast of course is sponsored by extraterrestrial media please visit extratmedia.com if you need to film a music video record an audio single or get a drone shot of your business or home need consultation for a project and much much more visit extratmedia.com they have a range of services to help any of your media needs We're also partnered with Libro.fm. When you make the switch over from Audible, enter Story Bingo at checkout for your new membership to receive two audiobook credits instead of one. Libro.fm makes it possible for you to buy audiobooks through your local bookstore, giving you the power to keep money within your local economy, create local jobs, and make a difference in your community. Whether you're paying for a monthly membership, giving an audiobook gift to a friend, or buying audiobooks for your organization, Libro.fm splits a profit from your purchases with your local bookstore. We here at Social uh, Short Story Bingo um, have connected with the King's English Bookstore or Bookshop, excuse me, um, on 1511 South, 1500 East in Salt Lake City, Utah. Visit kingsenglish.com if you're out of state and that's uh, you want to support them as well, then they will uh, get your book shipped to you. Otherwise, you can go by and pick it up there. New thing here, and I promise we're going to get through these. Uh, Short Story Bingo has also partnered with Jawser Size. Very, very big news there. Brandon Harris and his team have created an innovative product that works over 40 muscles in your face. Just released a new line with mint flavoring. The Total Transformation Pack will ensure you see the results you are looking for. Visit JawserSize.com 
and at checkout enter story bingo for 60% off your entire order very excited about that make sure to like follow and subscribe on Twitter and Instagram um, and yeah uh, let's go over the three state three countries three states shout out to the Netherlands United Kingdom and Iran that's super fucking weird but whatever and then the three states Yo, Florida, Idaho, and Texas are still holding it down, man. That's wild to me. And, of course, our random Twitter followers shout out goes out to at SpiderWise. Uh, SpiderWise. But, yeah. Anyway, episode 59, short story bingo. Nate on the third. Let's get into it. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. All right. Yes, indeed. Okay, so this book is a little floppy, you know, so it'd be like, you know, I'm trying to fucking manage it and get my... All right. Uh, So the caption by it says, National Crime Syndicate Founder uh, for Lucky Luciano. Um, Lucky Luciano was one of the founders of the National Crime Syndicate in exile in Italy talks to an interview. Oh, my bad. I'm fucking reading the caption from a picture. And if you're listening, then you don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. All right, here we go. Charles Lucky Luciano. Without doubt, the most important Italian-American gangster this country ever produced. Left a far greater impact on the underworld than even the illustrious Al Capone. Tell me more. In 1931... Luciano created what can be called the American Mafia by wiping out the last important components of the Sicilian-style mafia in this country. Together with Meyer Lansky, Luciano was also a founder of the mafia's parent organization, the National Crime Syndicate, a network of multi-ethnic criminal gangs that has ruled organized crime for more than half a century. A criminal cartel, which has bled Americans of incalculable billions over the years. Super cool to read that. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's like a, I, I don't understand some, t- even though I rap and I'm in, and I'm very much accustomed, or excuse me, I subscribe to the hip hop culture. Um, seeing like folks like King Vaughn recently passing and the Mo3 recently passing, Benny the Butcher getting shot in the leg in Dallas. Boozy Badass, even though he's got his weird opinions, getting shot in Dallas. Um, it seems like the shootings have been, like, way up for, um, you know, hip, like, rappers. And uh, when I was preparing myself for this, I was thinking about, like, all the press that the Mafia was getting. Like, John Derringer and, I mean... Lucky Lucky Luciano, Al Capone was a fucking movie star, essentially. And so there's that lore that we crave when it comes to, you know, the the good and evil and uh, giving evil their their run in the sun, as it were, you know. And so when I when I read here, a criminal cartel, which is blood Americans of incalculable millions or billions, 
with a B over the years. I'm like, damn, why the fuck? What? Why? Why do we hold them in such different regard? Is it because of that hustle flow they have, like the grind out shit, or like is it because they don't have a nine to five? You know, I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, but I'm uh, I'm just always particularly um, very conscientious about like, okay, well they're not like awesome people as far as what their ethics are, you know? And, uh, and I'm, that could be said for a lot of people, but you know, they're gangsters, man. They, they cut corners. They fucking rub people out, pause, but <laughs> they, they do, you know, they do some uh, wild shit to, to make sure that they get their capital. I don't know. You know, America's a funny place. The world's a funny place. So anyway, Luciano was born. Salvatore Luca, uh, Lucania, L-U-C-A-N-I-A, sure I messed that up, near, near Palermo in Sicily, so he was born in Italy, all right, and was brought to this country in 1906. In 1907, he was nine years old then because he was born in 1897. Okay, in 1907, he logged his first arrest for shoplifting. During the same year, he started his first racket. Ten years old, dog! Yo, we are fucking starting to How racket at 10. Funny. What the fuck is so funny about me? That's crazy. Tell me what's funny. Uh, for a penny or two a day, Luciano offered younger and smaller Jewish kids his personal protection against beatings on the way to school. If they, if they didn't pay, he beat them up. One rentry kid refused to pay. A thin little youngster from Poland, Meyer Lansky. Luciano attacked him and was amazed when Lansky gave as good as he got. They became bosom buddies after that. Weird term. A relationship that would continue long after Luciano was deported back to Italy. By 1916, Luciano was, leading, was a leading member of the Five Points Gang and named by police as the prime suspect in a number of murders. 1916, so he's... 19 years old, about to be 20. Damn. His notoriety grew through his, ten year, through, through his teen years, as did his circle of underworld friends. By 1920, so he's 23 now, Luciano was a power in bootlegging rackets. In cooperation with Lansky and his erstwhile partner Bugsy Siegel, and had become familiar with Joe Adonis, Vito Ginovisi, and most important among ta- Italian gangsters, Frank Costello. These are all names that, um, if you don't know who they are, look them up. Or, I don't know, you know, YouTube, like, any of their names. So, I'll say to Joe Adonis, A-D-O-I-N-S, Vito Genovese, G-E-N-O-V-E-S-E, and Frank Costello. Super interesting cats. See? You see what I just did? Super interesting cats because they're fucking gangsters. I don't know how to turn that shit off. There's a weird dichotomy there. I'm like, yeah, super fucking cool cats. Okay. Anyway. Luciano was amazed by the old line mafiosi who counseled him to stay away from Costello. The dirty Calabrian. But Costello, uh, but Costello led Luciano astray. By ritual mafioso standards, by introducing him to other ethnic ga- gangsters like Big Bill Dwyer and Jews like Arnold Rothstein, Dutch Schultz, and Dandy Phil Castle. Luciano was much impressed by the way Costello brought, bought protection from city officials 
and the police, which Lansky had already been telling Luciano was the most important ingredient in any big-time criminal setup. Oh, jeez, excuse me. Rather than heed the admonitions of Mustache Pete's, such a dope name, Mustache Pete's, Luciano believed instead the old, uh, in, excuse me, Luciano believed instead the old line mafiosi were the problem and should be eliminated. So he's like, yo, man, I'm going to just take this shit out. Although he maintained separate ties with Lansky, Luciano by the late 1920s had become the chief aide in the largest mafia family in the city. That belonging to Giuseppe, Joe the Boss, Masseria. Masseria. Luciano had nothing but contempt for Joe the Boss's old world ways. With its mumbo jumbo of the Sicilian mafia that stressed respect and honor. For the boss and distrust and hatred for all non-Sicilians. In Luciano's opinion, Masseria's prejudice against other gangsters, Sicilian as well as non-Sicilian, created an unconscionable obstacle to making real profits. Joe the Boss passed up extremely lucrative deals by fighting gangsters with whom he could have cooperated for their joint benefit. And Joe the Boss was more intent on waging otherwise long-forgotten feuds with fellow Sicilians based on which town or village they had come from than he was on making money. In 1928, the Castella Maurice War erupted between the numerous forces of Joe the Boss and those of a fast-rising mafioso in New York. Salvatore Maranzano, over the next two years, dozens of gangsters were killed. Lucha, I was expecting that number to be a lot higher than just dozens, you know? What, like 24? How many dozens? Put a number next to that, you know? <laughs> just play it. Just joking. Uh, Luciano also avoided. Okay, there are a dozen gangsters were killed. Luciano avoided the conflict as much as possible, and instead cemented relationships with the young second line leadership in the Maranzano outfit. It soon became clear that younger mobsters in both camps were waiting for one boss to kill off the other. Then the second line could dethrone the remaining boss. Luciano soon emerged as the leader of this clique. So they just wanted to make money, and they were, I mean, the respect and honor, I'm sure that they had respect and honor, but it wasn't, like, as, you know, that old-timey way. So they were just like, yo, let's just make money, dog. We can we can move with anyone, uh, like, Sicilian or non-Sicilian. The war moved into 1931 well, with Maranzano winning, but Maseria was still powerful. Luciano felt he could wait no longer without imperiling his supporters in both camps. Three of his men and Bugsy Siegel lent by the cooperative Lansky shot Joe the boss to death in a Coney Island restaurant. Luciano had guided him there and stepped into the men's room just before the execution squad marched in. Are you going to take a piss? Oh, yeah, it's going over here. It's going over here. Yeah, no. Oh, how you doing, Joe? Oh, yeah, no, I've been doing great. Yeah, I've just uh, had a, I've had a long day, long day. Yeah, oh, one second. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to pop in here. And, yeah, I mean, there's two stalls. You can sit right there. You know what? Actually, I'm done. I didn't, you, but you didn't go. You didn't go. Yeah, no, I know. I got to go. Though. I got to go. And then the fucking executions. How many? You know, like just come in and like fucking. Dude, Tommy guns. 
um, I play PUBG sometimes, um, and they when they whenever I get like a Thompson forty five, is what it's called. It's not a Tommy gun. That's a it's a Thompson, but um, I like because of like growing up and reading so much about like the mob and stuff. I'm like, oh man, I got a Tommy gun, you know, and they're fucking terrible. They they don't aim like if you unless you're like within ten yards or something like they're fucking but they have huge clips so you can put like a huge like roulette clip on them and you can hit out like fifty rounds in no time you know that's why they're super dope like if you're going into the bathroom take a dump and you just have your Tommy gun on you can dump fifty rounds into someone real quick forty fives too Whew. rough the assassination made Maranzano the victor. In the Castella, uh, the Castella Maurice War, and in supposed gratitude to Luciano, Maranzano made Luciano the number two man in his new ma- mafia empire. What? Yep. Maranzano proclaimed himself the boss of bosses in New York, and set up five crime families under him. That was only the beginning of Maranzano's plans. He was determined to become the supreme boss of the entire mafia in the United States. To achieve that end, Maranzano completed, uh, compiled a list of two gangsters who had to be eliminated. Get ready for it. In Chicago, Al Capone. In New York, Lucky Luciano. Maranzano understood Luciano had his own ambitions and figured to crush him quickly. But Maranzano was not quick enough. Luciano and Lansky learned of Maranzano's plans in advance. Maranzano was going to summon Luciano and Vito Genovese to his office for a conference. He had lined up a murderous Irish gunman, Mad Dog Cole, to assassinate the pair either in his office or shortly after they left. Instead, instead, here we go, moments before Cole arrived to set up the ambush, Four of Lansky's gunners pretending to be government agents. Because all you had to do back then was put on a trench coat and one of those hats. Entered Maranzano's office and shot and stabbed him to death. Damn. That was just anticlimactic. They just, they, they just rolled in. Like, yeah, we're with the FBI. Sure. Come on in to my office. And then just like busted out and just shot and shot and stabbed him to death. That's crazy. Didn't Martin, so hold on. If Maranzano wanted to get rid of Luch, Lu, Lucky Luciano, didn't he just make him a boss? So Maranzano made Luciano the number two. And then is like, you know what? I know what I told you. I get that. And that's my fault. So I should, what I should have said is, Tommy, take him out. That's my fault. And then ends up being, and then ends up dying because his plans get leaked out. That's that shit that they were talking about just at the beginning of this. That they, you know, they uh, didn't want to work with other people. Hmm. That's wild. I mean, you know, shit comes back. In a very real sense, Maranzano's death finished the old mafia in the United States. Called it. It has long been rumored that Luciano followed up that day with 40 or 60 or 90, very disparaging fucking, that's not even a ratio, you know? 40, 60, 90, 1,000. Other assassinations in an operation given the vivid name 
of the Night of the Sicilian Vespers. Damn. But this was utter nonsense. No list of victims was ever compiled, and actually no deluge of killings was necessary. During the late 1920s, many of the old-timers had either died naturally or been assassinated by young Turks of, some, of the same persuasion as, Luci- as Luciano. And since about half of all mafia strength was centered in the New York, New Jersey area, the key killings to oust the old line were simply those of Joe the Boss and Maranzano. The remnants of the old mafia were incorporated in a new national crime syndicate, a more open society that combined all the ethnic elements of organized crime. The new syndicate included such important mobsters among, among its governing directors as Lansky, Joe Adonis, who I mentioned, Dutch Schultz, Louis Lepke, and Frank Costello. There is no way the organization could have been mafia-dominated. It is actually possible that Jewish gangsters may have outnumbered the Italians. What? 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 (laughs) That's crazy. The boss of bosses position was eliminated in the syndicate. All right? Although, in fact, okay, the boss of bosses position was eliminated in the syndicate. Although, in fact, Luciano became the boss in everything but name in the Mafia Division. In the mafia division, Luciano's original idea was to drop the whole Mafia setup. But Lansky prevailed upon him to keep it. As much to keep the peace as to recognize the substantial Italian subculture in crime. Dude, was it like... Don't, uh, this is something I was thinking about, too. Like, it was... Does Italy, like, just have, like, the highest crime rates, like, that's ever been? Like, the Italian subculture and crime, like, is everyone in a mafia in Italy? And then when they came here, like, yeah, we're just Italians and we're just all in gangs. Like, that's all we do. Even when we're at, like, even when at funerals, we're still in gangs. Like, we're just in gangs all the time. We have we have gang weddings. We um, We have gang book clubs. We have, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, it makes me think like how, how rampant is the crime rate in Italy for that to be like part of their subculture or whatever. Because like being like being Mexican, you don't, I mean, for the majority of the Mexicans I know, they don't like subscribe to the cartel. They don't like, oh yeah, fuck. It's part of what was part of us. You know, it's what we do. Nah, man. So, I don't know. I don't, it, it's, it's wild to me. Luciano agreed, and in time, discovered that maintaining an American brand... Yo, dude, this sounds like a business, dog. Luciano agreed, and in time, discovered that maintaining an American brand... Uh, an American brand mafia gave him a power base that protected him from any wars um, among, among other ethnic elements. Similarly... Lansky could not be seriously threatened by Jewish or other mobsters because they knew he had mafia troops he could call on. The syndicate moved to control bootlegging, prostitution, narcotics, gambling, loan sharking, and labor rackets. Labor rackets, insert Jimmy Hoffa, uh, like the unions... 
Independent gangsters could have the rest, which in profit meant practically nothing. Luciano was now at the top. A dandy dresser and well-known sport on Broadway. He looked menacing. However, thanks to a famous scarring he had received in 1929, when knife-wielding kidnappers severed the muscles in his right cheek, leaving him with an evil droop in his right eye. Damn, I didn't know that. Because you guys, you've seen the picture of him, and like it's like his cheek is like just drooped like this, you know. So he got knifed. Through the years, Luciano told many stories of the incident. I'm sure fucking tall tales too, just like not even true. He once so he once so we're gonna go through like fucking four of them probably right now. He once claimed he was kidnapped by a drug by drug smugglers who, eager to hijack it, wanted intelligence about a big shipment that was coming in. Or he was nabbed by rival gangsters, including Maranzano himself, and rogue cops who tortured him to get information. Or he was kidnapped by a policeman and his sons because he had taken advantage of the cop's daughter. Just whatever the tale, he had survived a ride, something few gangsters had. There was a great popularization of his name of, of his nickname of Lucky. In 1936, so at this point, he's 40 years old, 39, Luciano's doom year as a free power in the American underworld is about to go down. Special Prosecutor Thomas E. Dewey convicted him on compulsory prostitution charges. Thomas Dewey, why does that sound familiar? Thomas Dewey, let's look him up really quick. I want to look up who Thomas Dewey is. I swear, isn't he? He's like in a movie or like a movie about him. Let's see, Thomas Dewey, Thomas Dewey, Tom campaign. Yeah, Thomas was an American lawyer, prosecutor, and politician. That's what it was. Okay, that's what it was. He was a Republican. Go figure it out. All right, so he caught him. And it was on prostitution. They always get caught for something else, too, you know? It's not, like, for doing mob shit. It's because they didn't... Or tax evasion is always, like, the biggest one, you know? Like you don't pay your taxes. I fucking pay my taxes, dude. I pay my fucking taxes. Yeah, you haven't for, like, ever, never have paid your taxes. So, um, if you don't have, um, you know, $1.8 million now, then you're just going to get locked up. And then they lock him up. That's how Al Capone, right? He got he. That's how he got in was because of tax evasion. Not even like mob shit. They didn't. They weren't able to pin him on like murders and shit like that. Uh, okay, so in 1936, Luciano Luciano's doom year as a free power in the American underworld. Special Prosecutor Thomas E. Dewey convicted him on compulsory prostitution charges. The underworld insisted it was a bad rap claiming Dewey framed the case with perjured testimony of pimps and whores who would say anything to avoid going to jail themselves. Absolutely plausible, for sure. The conviction, but probably not. They probably were like, yeah, man, I don't know. He's, he's crazy. He's fucking crazy. He, and I don't like to say this on camera. Are we on camera? I don't say this out loud, but like he made me suck my own... I, and that's all I'm going to say, dude. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. So, yeah, I, I would like... For, I, he did it. Whatever you guys are looking for, he did. He did that twice, in fact. 
But he could have, I mean, you know, cops are dirty, man. Not all of them, but fuck, you know? That's where we'll leave that one, right? Can we just leave that one right there? We'll leave that one. We'll put a pin in it. We'll come back to it. Another time. You know? Okay. Okay. The conviction, from Luciano's viewpoint, was somewhat ironic. In 1936, Dewey was making life miserable for Dutch Schultz and his operations. The Dutchman went before a board meeting of the syndicate calling for Dewey's execution. Damn. Luciano opposed the insane idea, which would obviously only produce more heat. When the adamant Schultz stormed out, saying he would go ahead on his own, Luciano obtained a contract on Schultz. It was carried out. Luciano... Dewey's benefactor got 30 to 50 years on the prostitution charge far tougher than any other such sentence in legal history. Nevertheless, he continued to maintain active leadership of the syndicate from behind bars. He was doing that, um, that razor dude, that razor blade in Goodfellas when they're doing the fucking cutting the garlic. And it's just like those little, I, I, I think I like ASMR, so in that, that little tiny scene when he's, like, cutting those perfect little slices, oh, my God, it makes my heart fucking happy. But that's what he was doing. He was eating fucking good in the jail hood. In 1946, Luciano was paroled for what was described by Governor Dewey as his wartime service services to the country. What? It was evident that Luciano did order the mob to help in tightening wartime security on the New York docks. Okay. Oh, wartime. Yeah, World War II. Additional later claims that Luciano... Uh, additional later... Cl- uh, first time reading. Additional later claims that Luciano was instrumental in, enlist- in enlisting the mafia in Sicily to aid the Allied invasion of the island um, of the island are more debatable. Okay. When he was released in 1946... Luciano was deported to Italy. He sneaked back to Cuba later that year to run the American syndicate from that offshore island. From Cuba, Luciano approved the execution of Bugsy Siegel for looting the syndicate's money in building the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas. George, you mentioned that he went to Las Vegas. Yep, so this is probably where we're going to get into that. But... Government agents soon discovered Luciano's presence in Cuba, and he was forced to return to Italy, where he continued to issue orders to the states and got his monthly cut of syndicate revenues delivered by special couriers, including Virginia Hill. With the assassination of Albert Anastasia in 1957 and the forced retirement of Frank Costello shortly thereafter, Luciano's influence started to wane. In 1957, he was 60 years old. So, I mean, naturally, that's a, yeah. I mean, 60 years old after all that, you know, I'm sure that he was like spent. Vito Genovese even plotted to have him assassinated, but Luciano was still powerful enough to form a plot with Lansky, Costello, and Carlo Gambino, by which Genovese was delivered into the hands of U.S. narcotics agents in a rigged drug deal. Damn, so they didn't even kill him. They just they just made sure he got behind bars. Near the end of his life relation near the end of his life, relations between Luciano and Lansky started to sour. Who we're gonna read about next week is Meyer Lansky. 
Luciano felt he was not getting a fair cut of mob income. But having suffered a number of heart attacks was in no shape to mount a serious protest. Gradually, he began to reveal to journalists his version of many of the past criminal events in the United States. And, obviously, some of his um, revelations were self-serving. In 1962, he died of a heart attack at the Naples airport. Only after his death was Lucky Luciano allowed to come back to the United States, the country he considered his only true home. He was allowed burial in St. John's Cemetery in New York City. And that is just a little bit about Lucky Luciano. So 16 years after he was deported, they, they said, well, he's dead. So, yeah, he can come back now. What? That's, you know. Um, I mean, he headed up so much shit. He did, he did so much, like. For him to, I I don't understand the Cuba thing, as far as like how the United States was able to still have him extradited back to Italy. Like that doesn't make super sense to me. But neither does the mafia. So I don't know how far I'm gonna allow myself to go down any sort of rabbit hole there. Uh, thank you guys so much though. Episode fifty nine, short story bingo. One more time, uh, mentioned for the top three countries: Netherlands, Canada, and Australia. Top three states: Florida, Idaho, and Texas. And, um, yeah, man, follow, uh, at Gabino Grimes, at Short Story Bingo, at Extra Team Media, at George Life, at Size, at Libro dot, or Libro FM, and, um, follow yourselves, man. I mean, you know, follow someone cool. Watch a cool, uh, motivational video in the morning. Usually they're only like 10 minutes long. I don't know why I'm ending like this, but I am. I feel fucking really motivated right now. But um yeah, I certainly appreciate everyone and um these videos are getting super are getting much more f- into the flow for me, so they will be releasing for sure uh starting next Friday like on the Friday. We're getting the schedules all set up so that um we can make it happen. But as you guys all know, my motto, if, you know, we had to get this going, so we're working things out as we're doing it, but at least the audio is dropping every single Friday, so I certainly appreciate everyone that's uh, listening. And one more time, if you are listening um, and have yet to check out the YouTube, please, please do check it out. We put a lot of time and effort into making this happen for you guys, and um, super excited for what's to come. So, episode 59, Lucky Luciano from the Mafia Encyclopedia, second edition, Blap. Just like that, my name is Nate Chacon the Third. This is your first time. Welcome. If it's not, the retention program is working. Peace. Dun dun dun. Spare fingers. Yes. <laughs>